go. Steve, Steve, here's here is something that I want you to think about. I don't. I'm, I'm going to surprise you early on in the show today. <laughs> today is one year, one year since the Lightning won their second Stanley Cup, but their first Stanley Cup of the last two, which means that within the next week or so, we are hitting our one year anniversary of doing this show together. Isn't that I'm beautiful? Isn't that I am beautiful? excited. I think that's great. Wow. So I, I just want to bring. I up. thought you were going to drop out. I actually, if we went back through text messages, we could probably find the exact date somewhere. I'm, yeah, I'm sure that but, it's, it's on there. Well, very cool. I'm, I'm excited. All right, we should um, go party. Yeah. Well, anyways, this is the stuff Summer says podcast with Steve. Steve, uh, Steve, we've got a great show. Something that I actually planned out this week and not just texted you five minutes before we did the show. Uh, we were going to talk about Villanova. We're going to talk about Indiana, and then we're going to talk about uh, PTI because it's a, they're hitting a big benchmark too. And then this week's old guy, young guy is brought to you by your tailgate. So we will. All right, I can't wait. We will discuss that. Um, did we do the? This is the stuff Summer says podcast with. We did. Steve. Okay. Oh, Steve. Okay, no, sorry, I, I forgot. So if you're huh. listening now, you missed the first one. Uh, you know, pay attention, kids. Um, all right, you ready? I'm ready. Hold on. Let me take a sip, sip of my beer. Again, this is not an ad today. I am drinking the Blue Stripe from Axeman Brewery. It is, it's quite good. It's, uh, I don't, I don't know how to describe it. Um, it's got a little bit of bitterness to it, but it's, it's good. I like it. I, I don't know if I've had, I think I had one and then they had, they have a raspberry something or other that I like. I had their Oktoberfest this weekend and it was, mm, that was a good beer. That was one of the better beers I've had in a long time. I'm I'm mourning the loss of the the Lining Kugels Harvest Shandy, which is not being produced this year. Ah, only producing the wow. Oktoberfest, and I was a big fan of the Harvest Shandy, but apparently I was the only one who was buying the stuff because they're not making it this year. Steve, devastating loss. I'm sorry I to know. hear that. Um, all right. Anyways, speaking, of, this has nothing to do with Pennsylvania, but speaking of Pennsylvania, let's let's discuss Saturday's game. We got to I got to hang out with you for a little bit on Saturday. Almost the whole quarter. That was great. We watched watched the third quarter together. Um, it was my first game back in Beaver Stadium, and we'll kind of get to that. We'll kind of interweave the two segments here today. I, I kind of think. Um, but let's let's talk about the game, and then I want to go on a little bit of a rant first, or after that. Uh, the game. I, I came up to you in the third quarter, and by the third quarter, there were multiple people sitting behind me that were very disgruntled about the way the game was going, even though it was like twenty-one to three at that point, or twenty-eight to three at that point. Uh, you you were not too disgruntled about the game when I when I saw you. I was never never at any point disgruntled. It seems like a lot of people, though, are very upset with how Saturday went and thought that there should have been a better performance. I, I'm sorry. Like, how do you expect 18 to 22-year-old, 23-year-olds to go from the emotional high of an Auburn game to be excited, focused, paying attention, playing, no offense, FCS Villanova? Well, good team. Like, they, they made Penn State, like, Think about some stuff. James Franklin said that today, but it, the not even the same ballpark, really. Like in terms of emotion and focus level, there. Do you feel like people should just shut up? Because I feel like people should just shut up. Oh, I, I often think that. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, it wasn't one we were looking for style points. Yes, they couldn't run the ball. Should that be a concern? Yeah, probably. 
But at the same time, we don't. You go into that not knowing the game plan of Penn State. Did they say, "Hey, you know what? We're just going to out athlete these guys, get some stuff done that we know we can do. If the running game works great, if not, that's fine." I mean, that's not exactly what they're thinking, I'm sure. But like, they had a game plan going in, and I'm sure it didn't include running it down their throat. And if they're not smart enough to know that running it down their throat doesn't work, you don't have to do that. Just go ahead and put some more points on the board of the other team and go ahead and win the game. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. It's just like. It was one of those games when when they hit Jahan on the opening play. I was like, okay, this game is over. Like, it, oh, like, so you thought that when I, I texted I, Actually, you know what? You know when I thought the game was over? I thought Villanova, the first play of the game, they, they ripped off like a seven, eight-yard run. And then they threw a little slant route to uh, – to, or a wheel route type thing out to the outside, and Brandon Smith lit up whoever caught the ball. And I was like, yeah, that is the difference between – an FCS school and an FBS school right there. And the number at the time, six FBS school and the not ranked FCS school. Uh, so I, again, like I'm not concerned at all. I, I'm not, I really, I think people were kind of overreacting. Need to settle down, take a deep breath and just kind of relax. It, it would be more concerning if, if this weekend it's a close game and, and it's because they didn't run the ball and they didn't, didn't do this or X or that, but I, the score was until the, the second defense went in, the second and third defense went in, which Franklin called them out today in the press conference. The score was 28 to three, 21 to three, something like that. And it just didn't make me stress. You know, I, there was no, no point in that game where I was like, eh, it's getting interesting because it didn't, it really it was. No, they did everything they were supposed to do. Yeah. They could have run the ball better. Yeah. They could have protect the quarterback better. That's why you have coachable things in games like this. And again, I, we don't know what they were trying. This the coaches are going to say we're there to win everything and 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 be the standard every play. But this is also that was also a game when you try some stuff maybe like let's just try this blocking scheme. Let's see what happens here. And okay, didn't work. Fix it. But yeah, I wasn't concerned, and there's not concern for me coming out of it. I, and I don't expect concern this week. Frankly, next week maybe so, but this week I think it's another W two. So we'll see. Um. Anything else you want to say about the game before I go on on a couple? Um, of I'm sitting and, and waiting for the okay. rant, so so don't, right. don't put so it on. prior to uh, Saturday's game, I was bored, and I was like, "Man, when is the last time Penn State played a team from the state of Pennsylvania not named Temple or Pitt?" And I couldn't recall, and I had to go all the way back to the 50s, and I believe it was 1954 when they played at Penn, which is very fascinating to me. Just the, the idea of Penn State going to play at Penn. Was, and it, it got me thinking, and it, it just going to the game on Saturday got me thinking about this. There were a lot of Villanova fans there. And it, there were a lot of Villanova fans that this was probably like their Super Bowl. And like you could tell when they scored a touchdown, like a lot. There were there was very loud when they scored a touchdown. Like for an away team, just as loud as any Big Ten team, really when they scored a touchdown and it made me think, you know, I know Villanova's coming up on the schedule again here in four years or so. It made me think, Hey, why aren't we doing this more often? It's a great showcase for these communities, these smaller schools within the state. You've got Duquesne, you've got St. Francis, RMU, you've got Bucknell, you've got Lehigh. Um, am I missing anybody else? And then Villanova, of course. I think that's that's everybody that's got a, a Division One program 
that isn't Temple or Pitt. And I, I don't know. I just if if James Franklin is going to start scheduling, which it looks like he wants to start scheduling on these odd years when Penn State has uh, four Big Ten games, they'll schedule a, a, a FCS school. Um, it, it's just interesting to me, and I, I think you know for him to kind of say dominate the state or whatever, like I know that doesn't necessarily align with beating the other teams, but in the same sense, like it's just a nice showcase for the state of Pennsylvania and football. And I, I kind of thought that that was what Saturday was all about. Um, you even saw that the fact that Saturday was like the all campus day for Commonwealth day or whatever it's called, but that was a nice little gesture. And it's just like, Again, Pennsylvania is, I think, the last I looked, like the number four state in the country in terms of, of all-time NFL athletes pr- produced. It, it, football is very essential to the culture in the state. Why not, why not have these little showcases like this? Why not invite Villanova? Why not invite St. Francis, Bucknell? It would be, for somebody that grew up on my half of the state, it would be amazing to see St. Francis play there. For somebody that grew up probably more so in your half of the state, Bucknell would be amazing to see play there. Eh, I don't know. It's just a little thought that I had that why doesn't this happen more often? I think it would be interesting. Like, I don't know that I want to see, having been in Pittsburgh for the start of the Robert Morris program, when they were basically playing like at Moon Township High School or wherever they were, like there's a couple of them that don't feel like they're ready yet. And I don't mean that in dismiss. Like I, I want them to be somewhat competitive. Like that's my only concern. Like in Villanova, Villanova was, you know, somewhat competitive because people are bitching because it wasn't enough of a blowout. Um, and if you're going to schedule an FCS school, I think one in the state makes sense, right? Like keep the money to somebody in the state who's going to do it, get some fans there that might not otherwise come to see it. You know, my my sense with with non power five teams, well, I guess they're power fives. Like when we were playing teams that weren't FCS, but they were other programs like I would almost rather see Army or Navy than Nevada or something. Right. If we're going to pay somebody to come or give them money, make it the service academies. But by that logic, I, same logic, I'm, I'm good with a Bucknell. I think a Bucknell among that group, maybe Lehigh. Like I'm scared about how much better they'd have to be than some of the than some of the ones in that group, and 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 but Villanova was representative, and I think also the power of Villanova being from Philadelphia helps too, right? Because that's a market they want to be talking about have to right. come. But I don't know if that drove anybody. Yeah, so I think when you first started saying, it, I'm like, nah, but no, I think if an FCS school is what you're going to do, why not one in the state? Yeah, doesn't really matter. Nobody cares. Everybody's expecting to win, so you might as well, you know, unless it's Wofford, which the the. People who know me and Wofford, they know. Um, <laughs> there's really no other school that I want to see if it's going to be an FCS school other than a state school. I, I think I forgot to mention Penn. They would be a cool one. I forget how the Ivy Leagues, the Ivy Leagues work a little bit differently, though, and I don't think they go play a lot, seeing them a lot of FBS schools right. um, very often. Um, certainly Power 5 ones, which is understandable because of the way their athletics all work. Uh, but it, it's just a, a thought that crossed my head as I was walking up to the stadium. I was like, it's neat to see people wearing Villanova stuff here because this is a huge deal to watch them get to play in this stadium. Audrey's Audrey Snyder's article in the athletic. If you haven't read it, she spent the whole week with, um, with Villanova. Stop right now. Start, stop the podcast right now. Go read it and come back um, because it, it was excellent. And it talked about how big of a deal it was and kind of like how like the kids, some of the kids, they didn't necessarily get 
skipped over for Penn State, but they just never would be really on Penn State's radar. But a lot of them grew up Penn State fans, and this was a big deal and a big moment that that their kid was like getting to play, you know, at Beaver Stadium. And I thought that was neat. Um, so I don't know. That was, that was just my little rant. Um, no, I think I'd be better with, with those teams than, than Old Dominion or James Madison or somebody else. Now, those are some better FCS teams. So they might not make the schedule anyway. Right. But yeah, I think if you're going to do that kind of stuff and you're just paying somebody to come, you might as well pay somebody local, get a couple stories out of it, get a, get some goodwill, and you're probably still not in danger of losing and nobody expects you to lose that FCS game anyway. And nobody's going to knock you on the schedule front because you're in the Big Ten East, which is tough. And if you win your division and win the conference championship, it's not going to hurt you anyway. Steve, I have the, I have the helmet schedule I always print out, out here in front of me. I was just looking here like, uh, you know, the – there are some interesting like FCS matchups and most of them have semi-regional ties. Rutgers played Delaware. Uh, Maryland played Howard, which I thought was a cool one. Um, yeah. Michigan state and Youngstown state me. Um, but it, it's just neat when they, when you see, you know, support the local community, Steve, that's all I gotta say. I think that's fair. By local. Yes. By local. Um, okay. So, uh, one thing I wanted to talk about today, Saturday was my first full game inside Beaver Stadium. There were a couple of notes and things that I, I thought of that I wanted to point out to you and, and, and get your opinion on. Um, the first thing that I noticed. So when I go to Big Ten schools, I buy a soda and I drink my soda and they've got nice. Every Big Ten school has these nice thick cups that are the best water drinking cups that you can own in your home. They are better than any glass cup that you own because they are twice as big as any other cup. I love them. And finally, Penn state spent a little bit of maybe an extra cent more to get slightly thicker cups. And I forgot to bring the cup home, but next weekend when I get a cup, I will will bring that cup home now. Um, So that was nice because that is something that I have. I think I have almost every big 10 school. I don't have, I forgot to get one in Wisconsin. I think Wisconsin was only doing paper cups anyways. Um, but that being said, it's just nice to have a nice, those good drinking cups. It's like leaving great. the doggy bag at the restaurant after you get yeah, all that Yeah, a dump. little bit. Yeah, yeah. That's exactly what it did. I left it at the tailgate I went to after the game. Uh, so that was cool. Other than that, there really wasn't that much to change, uh, which is if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Um, I do like the new tunnel entrance uh, with the, the paint and not making Beaver Stadium not look like an empty whatever Beaver Stadium is underneath because Lord knows it's – I tell people this all the time. There is no better in-arena experience than Beaver Stadium. It is a, a, number one, a number one, not even close in my opinion. But my God, underneath that stadium is whew, rough. Um, so it was nice to see that with the smoke and the, the lights and all of that. Uh, it, it was pretty cool. Um. The thing that I was very disappointed in, the pump-up video, barely different than the last six years of pump-up videos. And I, I don't know. I just want a good pump-up video. That's Is that too much to ask for? No, and I think, it, right, I mean, there's, there was some turnover there in the offseason, right? So I think maybe that's part, part, a part of it, perhaps. But, yeah, and I think if you look at it, if you look at our cities, our towns, and what's there, like, there are people from regions of the state who probably don't see their city or town, right? Which if, if you're sitting in there, that's part of it, plus the pump up piece. So yeah, I think that's a fair critique. And, and the branded tunnel, I get it. I understand why it looks cool. Doesn't do much for me personally, but I understand why it has to be done and why it makes sense. So I, I think that's a good thing too. So 
Well, even remember what a big deal it was that they added the lion logo over the tunnel. And that was like, I think that was one of Joe's final seasons, but I have pictures of, I can picture it to this day. It's that it was the old Nittany lion, the actual like real life, realistic looking lion head. And then the like kind of banner that's kind of stacked and it says pen and then state on the other side of it. It just didn't, I don't know. There's the one thing that James Franklin had always said was when he came to Penn state, one of the reasons why one of the big bat Batman lights was because there was no branding. Like if you look at Beaver stadium on the outside, you would not know who played there. Like if you, if you just showed this picture to someone, you would think it's a generic football team which I thought was a very, very valid argument. Um, so it is nice to see those little things. Um, I'm sure it helps for recruiting and pictures and all of that jazz. Yeah, um, no, I think the branding piece has been good. I think different sets of eyes in the past eight years have been good. And I'm sure, well, I know without a doubt, when they go other places, they're looking to see what other people are doing, what they can appropriate, what they can improve upon and somebody else is doing. And I think that's good. Yeah, I, I mean, I know Wisconsin had a cool light display as they walked down the tunnel. It kind of was like it followed them down the tunnel. I'm like pointing. You can't see me if you're listening to this. Um, Ohio state has a pretty neat little entrance, um, like actual tunnel. Um, and I think, I think it's nice things to see. I, I have to wonder if we're going to see more things like that as stadium upgrades happen or whatever it may be and what that's going to look like. Um, yeah, I think you'll see what other people probably. are doing and what you can, again, what you can borrow 25 years ago, Pitt at old Pitt stadium was doing a, an out of the locker room thing with a cameraman walking back word and the team walking from him. It was like an aerial cartoon of Pittsburgh. They come in and it goes into the end zone of the stadium. And then you get the locker room and a live camera and you, and you walk people out. So that's cool. And I'm glad Penn state has, has done some of that kind of stuff because it gets people excited. It, get, yeah. it gets them interested gets them ready for the team to come out. So I think those are good things. Um, other than that, I hadn't noticed much different, um, in the stadium anything like that i have noticed one thing that you and i bonded over a long time ago and that uh that jeff i'm forgetting why am i forgetting jeff's last name jeff nelson jeff nelson tweeted at me and surprised me with one day was the the scoreboard tv timeout i they've been harder to find this year i think they're only on the the south end zone this year i think i haven't noticed them on the north end zone okay because I, I can i look at the south so they're there or i look at the north that's north. They, so left-hand side, yeah. they are there yep Okay. They so switch they, sides on them. It's on the left-hand side. Uh, to the right-hand side. Oh, uh, that's above me. And it's I above can't you. See you that. can't see it. There you go. I can't see that. Okay. That makes sense. All right. Um, so uh, let's, let's speed things up here and go on to, to our next topic, which relates to everything that we just talked about. The, this weekend, Indiana comes into town. We'll maybe get to that game here in a second or the actual X's and O's of that game. Um, but it's the stripe out. And, Steve, I have to be very honest. I, the stripe out does absolutely nothing for me anymore. I, it, it's just bleh. like it's it's so boring. I have to. I I I I know I was wearing blue last weekend. Very rarely do I wear blue. I normally wear white. Um, usually, when I know I feel confident in the game, I wear blue. But like that's only like one game per season, so it's usually like the crappy like out of conference game. Um, so now I have to be forced to wear blue and I, maybe it's just the youth in me. That's like the anti-disestablishmentarianism of, of, oh, I have to wear blue. Now I've got to figure out which hoodie I'm going to wear this weekend, which I have way more blue hoodies than I do white hoodies. Anyways, this is a long way of me saying, I don't really like the stripe out. And I, it, it, here's why 
Zombie Nation came to Penn, came to America via Penn State. Seven Nations Army came to America via Penn State. The whiteout thing, not necessarily uniquely Penn State's, like the, the Jets and the Coyotes were doing it long ago. They have the actual original trademark. But Penn State made it what it is. And I think all of these copycat things that you start to see, blackouts, scarlet outs, red outs, purple outs, whatever, came from, from the whiteout and, and seeing the whiteout and, and trying to recreate that. Um, but the stripe out is just so boring to me. It is so just like feels lazy to me. Let's let's figure something else out to do. Like I think Neyland Stadium, when they do the checkered out, which that is their thing, they just hit it out of the park. Uh, but I encourage Penn State's marketing department, which is one of the best in the country, to figure it out. How's fired up there? Uh, you are. And I, and I think it's, I don't know. It's not, eh, maybe it is lazy. I mean, it's another testament to how easy people follow rules, right? Like when the first one they did, and I'm like, it'll be interesting to see how many people get this right or wrong. People get it right. It's great. Um, but yeah, in the wake of, it's clearly the, the redheaded stepchild of night game activities at Penn State, right? Like there's the whiteout and then we do the stripe out just to prove we can do something else different. And maybe that's part of like game day experience and things we don't like. Like I'm not a big fan of, the minor league baseballization of college football. Like college football is, is higher Discuss. than minor league baseball. What do you, and, what do you mean? Um, uh, the, <sighs> the, the little promotions, right? Like, and I know you got to do them for sponsors now, but you're going to win a hundred bucks for this. And we're going to show don't like the car you. thing. Oh, the car thing's horrible. Now that you mentioned, it, I really don't like the car thing. Okay. The, the, the lottery ball thing is okay. But if you actually had a stopwatch, some of those kids aren't making it. We had um, a lengthy discussion about that this weekend when the lottery ball thing happened. And it's actually an 80-yard dash and not a 40-yard dash. It is an 80-yard dash. And right. that is not fair to any human. That's I don't right. think I could get up there and back in, in 15 seconds. No, I'm glad they pulled college kids. If they pulled if they pulled what's-his-face or his wife from York, Rich, Rich there'd, have, from, there'd be a cardiac yeah. event on the field. Yeah. Um, Rob, I mean, I do Rob. like that a little bit better than, than the car thing. The car thing is just silly. Um Although now getting back to one thing that is different this year from going to the stadium and I'm thrilled about, and I don't know whether people vendors just didn't pay the money or it wasn't worth it for athletics, the whole carnival atmosphere on curtain road with the French five vendors. I didn't even think about that gone. And I'm a big fan of that because I just think that's, it feels like the County fair and I'm not coming to to Penn state game to go to the County fair. And I, I like that that's gone. I don't know if they're losing revenue or they'd be doing it. But I'm glad that that's cleaned up because it just felt I can go to the Grange Fair if I want that. I don't want that on my Penn State Saturdays. Jeez. I didn't even think about that. That is a good point. I did, I did walk that way, walk through that way on Saturday. Didn't notice those. And maybe it was because I just didn't notice them because I barely noticed them when they were there. Um, but I always thought like when I saw those, I was always thought like, who the hell is stopping here for food? When you know that you could walk up to any tailgate and be like, hi. I'm hungry. Can I just have a little bit of food? And it would be significantly better than any food that you would get from one of those little trucks. Yeah. And I don't know whether they just charged them more this year and they didn't want to pay it or whatever. Um, but yeah, I always felt, I think I feel that Penn state games and they do, I'm critical of sometimes game day presentation and this kind of stuff, but it's what the second largest stadium in the country, fourth in the world or whatever it is, they do a good job, a more than good job with a lot of stuff they do. And I feel it's, it's kind of like Michigan. When we went to Michigan, there were no ads inside Michigan Stadium. The only thing they were advertisements for was the big M, the big block M on a blue background. And they were above the little stuff. 
and I don't know that Penn State's there quite exactly, but I would like it to be that. So I didn't have to notice, as you pointed out, like the DeWalt tools on the tool bench on the on the benches yeah. and the sideline. Like I don't want us to have to sell everything because then I'm gonna feel like you know Rocky going into the first fight with the meat packer thing on the back of his of his robe. Sorry, Jeez. mixing all kinds of stuff in there. Well, that one's pre you. I don't mean, you know, that's was, just a, I mean uh, who hasn't seen the Rocky movies? Uh, yeah, no, it's just it was it was kind of weird to me. Uh, it's kind of weird to me. Uh, I just, anyways, I don't I don't like the stripe out. I don't think it, like I have I do I do have a picture like one of the panorama pictures from the first stripe out. Uh, but that game is sentimental to me because that game was the the biggest game of the season when I was a senior, because uh, that was the first Rutgers home game since they had joined the Big Ten. So there's that aspect, but um, I don't know. I yeah, I just I know I don't like it. Like I just want to find something new. I know. What, I have a question. I have a question. I was thinking about this. When you go to Nebraska, I think uh, I think Nebraska does it. Uh, looking at the other Big Ten schools here, uh, it's pretty much Nebraska is the only place that, that does it. Uh, they all wear red, like 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 every game is a red out. Do you wish want Penn State to do just whiteouts? Like, would you prefer Penn, the whiteout every Saturday or no? Or do you think- I, actually, I actually had that discussion with, with Guido D'Elia when they first started doing this. And um, whatever, whatever year that was, 10 years ago, 12 years ago now, um, about, you know, they're, they're going to have a tribal mentality. Everybody's going to wear white. It's going to be hostile. And I said, well, if that's what the fans can do and provide, don't you want them to do that every week? Like, why wouldn't it be? why wouldn't it be white every week? And it wasn't like, well, I we don't know if we get people to do it every week. Don't know if it's not, you know, it doesn't make it special then when we do do it. Um, but yeah, there's a part of me that would like that consistency. Um, I, I guess nitpicking like on third downs, when we went to Alabama 10 or 11 years ago now, every third down from the first quarter to the fourth quarter for the opponents, even though they blew Penn State out, whether it was third and one, third and 15, had the same Jaws music for their defense, zooming in and out on the third down marker, getting people geeked. We get geeked for third downs, you know, sometimes. And sometimes they do that. It's not consistent. I would like that consistency there more than I would like the whiteout consistency. But I, I wouldn't be upset if they said, hey, this is what we do. And this is this place is a white crazy pit for, for seven home games a year. That wouldn't bother me. I don't know how I feel about it. I, just I don't know if I'm going to die on that hill, but it wouldn't bother me. Yeah, it wouldn't It wouldn't bother me either way, I think. Um, now the 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 Rutgers third down song is, is stuck in my head. Thank you. Sorry. Uh, I really appreciate that. Okay, let's let's um, let's discuss the two other aspects that, that you brought up that I thought were interesting. Then we'll briefly talk, talk about the game, and then we'll, we'll move on. Um, one thing that, I, that you noticed that I also noticed uh, – James Franklin has been very affirmative about selling tickets uh, this year. Uh, really wants to get a sellout streak going. That is like a direct quote from him. He said that last week. He mentioned it again a little bit today, like briefly, vaguely. Do you have a problem with him selling tickets? No, but I think he has more important things to do, right? Like, mm-hmm. I, I just, that's all. Mm-hmm. Like, I just, yeah, I, I, fans are going to show up. I mean, and if you're not going to announce actual tickets, 
I mean, they're always going to announce tickets sold. I mean, Saturday was 105 and there was no way that was what was in the stadium, right? So if you aren't going to announce the difference. I felt like there was at least 100. It grew as it grew as the game go on. It, it turned out better than I thought. Yeah, I, did, I just, I think in, in, in continuing my it's beneath us sp- spiel from college football and minor league baseball, I think it's beneath the coach in some ways to have to worry about getting people in there. You have a good product. You have a good team. People are going to show up. We'd love to have a full house. That kind of stuff is fair to me. I think fair game that there's 1500 tickets left is a different animal. Yeah. The next step is call 1-800-NITNEY and that's not what the coach should be doing. Yeah. A hundred percent, especially uh, that is, that is what the, not what the coach should be doing at Penn state, maybe at Portland state where the guy bought all the beer for, for people to come to the games. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Uh, maybe at, any hey, maybe school. a pit for all I care, but not at Penn state. Yeah. And I, I, I don't know. I just, I, I kind of agree with you. Like I, when, when he first said it, it didn't bother me and it doesn't really bother me, but it's just one of those things that like stopped and made you think. And I think you caught on to it a little bit more than I did. And it, when he said it the other day, I was like, yeah, that's kind of weird. Um, well, here's, here's why I caught on because all those empty seats, but they're going to sell the direction are up by me. And I like some leg room. So if <laughs> people start showing up, then that's going to cut into my space. Folks. I visited Steve and Russ and, and, and the wives this weekend um and they literally sit at the farthest that you can get from the field and let me tell you what my calves have not burned the way they burnt <laughs> until i walked up the ramp up the the 16 times around the ramp to get from the medium part of the stadium to the all the way tippy top of the stadium and then the steps uh, which I said to you, like, I'm surprised that there aren't more drunk people that get injured falling down these. And that you were like, well, no, if you're, if you're this dedicated to sit all the way up here, you're not getting drunk for the games or it's not worth it. Right. Exactly. You get hurt. I don't know though. You might get drunk quicker with that higher altitude up there, but you're closer to God's he'll take care of Uh, it. There you go. (laughs) Um, All right. Anyways. uh, One thing that we discussed last week that I know you don't like, is the fact that this game is at 7.30. But you did bring up an interesting point, so I'm going to let you tee this up. And I thought it was it was good. relates to the sports media aspect that we we have on this podcast. That this is only the second time? Is that what the aspect? I think that was. I think it was. It was, okay. yeah, yeah. Yeah, so this is this. So in, two, in 2016, Ohio State and Iowa were two night games out of three home games in the fall, like in that in a little span. Within a three-week period, there was two primetime games. This is the first time that's happened since 2016. And I've been tracking stuff since 2007 with the Big Ten Network coming on board. I'm fairly confident that may be the only two times that Penn State has had primetime games in a three-week span at home, maybe ever. Just because there was always a big game that started late. But, you know, 25 years ago, late was 3.30. ABC hasn't been doing Saturday night games, but for about 15 or 16 years now. So, yeah, this is, you know, for all the records that set and whatever else, this is a pretty cool occurrence. I mean, I think this is media hype around IU, and I don't. I think last year's late game play and the fluky win makes people want this to be on TV. But I'm not expecting a great competitive game. What a tee up there, because that was the other thing I wanted to bring up before we moved on. Um, but yeah, I I was I was kind of surprised by that, but not surprised. I think, as you said last week, or said to me the other day, this is what happens when your team starts to improve, and and and. People want to start paying attention to you. They give you a, a later spot in the day. Nobody's point blank. Nobody would watch this game if it was if it was at noon on BTN on Saturday. 
Like no one would. It, it would be a meh game. BTN doesn't even release their their ranking or their uh, their data. But I don't know. I I think this is a move to Penn State is good. We would like to show Penn State. We're just going to give them this game at night. I also have to wonder how much the Iowa decision went into all of this. Like, like the fact that that ESPN was like, "crap, we're not going to be able to get that that BTN or that that Iowa Penn State Iowa game," which usually is one of the top rated football games of the year when they play. Like, regardless of what time or when they play. Um, so I thought that was interesting. Um, I don't know. I'm I, I'm excited for another day-long tailgate yeah and i understand the logic for it and it makes sense and like yeah this is good teams get this kind of exposure so if you want your team to be good you got to be comfortable with it so i guess i'll be comfortable with it and god forbid it's just another day of somebody's got to check on the 14 year old dog some point during the day because we're not going to be at the house so we'll see neighbor kid making cash there you go all right anything else you want to discuss about this saturday's football contest with the indiana hoosiers i'm hoping it's over quick Probably won't be, but I'm hoping it's over quick. I just hope the parking is is not a shit show. Oh, God bless you. See, yeah, that's true. I I, I'm pain. interested to see what time we get out there. I, I'm interested to see what time that happens. Um, all right, moving on. Um, Steve, this week, I think tonight actually is when the episode or the documentary or whatever they're having for it is is airing. But this week. ESPN is celebrating 20 years of pardon the interruption. Um, I, I have to say, I, I, I think I was thinking about this earlier. I was thinking about this today and just kind of with this news coming up. I don't know if there's more, there's ever been a more important sports talk show than, than PTI. I think PTI has set the tone for every single thing that you see on ESPN today, because it's all about the, the hashtag embrace the debate. And I, I think, I think that is what you see. That is what you get. And it all started from this show. I still think it is the best show on ESPN. It is still the show that I will, if I am around and, and free at that time when it's on, I will stop and watch it. Um, do you, do you have any thoughts on PTI? I think you're right um, in terms of its influence. I mean, before that, there were regions across the country that had sports writer roundtables and things like that. There was one in Chicago that was kind of the foundation for the sports reporters. But this show, the executive producer is a guy named Eric Rideholm, who did like does the Motley Fool and and did some other game um, that the Money Motley Fool thing and did some other shows for. Um, he did um, the one right after before PTI. Pardon the interruption. Before the one, the one with Tony Reale. That's the, the, sport, the horn. Around the horn. So both of these are both of these are his. That came after PTI. Um, the run down the right side of the of the screen was invented for this show and debuted on the show. The countdown during topics pretty much debuted on this show. That's been copied by everybody. Um, and I do think this is the best because Wilbon and Kornheiser are smarter and more self aware than people in a lot of these seats. They're not there to shill. They actually are friends who disagree. So it's not as contrived and forced as some other stuff. Um, yeah, it's a cultural touchstone for TV. And it's a cultural touchstone for people who've watched. My oldest daughter, who's a year older than you, I remember this vividly. I was doing a story. I had gone to DC, visited the set, talked to Eric Rideholm. Talent wasn't there that day. It was a Friday. So Tony was going to call me back like next week. And I'm mowing the grass the next day on a Saturday. And Danny comes running out of the house with the phone in her hand. 
screaming at me. I'm like, oh my God, somebody died, you know? So I turned off the tractor. I'm like, what's up? She's like, it's Tony Kornheiser. <laughs> I'm like, it's awesome. Okay, well, I'm sitting on the tractor with like no way to take a note, no whatever else. But, and she was geeked because she knew he was important. Maybe we should have made something else more important, like a musical instrument or something or whatever. But um, no, I, I think it's a really important show and I'm, uh, and I'm thrilled for its success. And I, I get scared when I think about those two going away someday and not doing that show because it's not going to be as good yeah that's i i think what you said there is is kind of why i think this show has lasted the way it has is the Stephen a thing is is, is Stephen a like he it's just stick and you get the stick and you buy into the stick but i think with pti like everything about the show is very authentic very not necessarily real in the sense of emotions and things like that but it is two sports reporters sitting down discussing sports topics sometimes they agree on them and sometimes they are completely opposite magnets you know on it and and i think that's what to me has made it always so interesting to me this is the show that uh like i think to me this is the show that I don't necessarily made me say like, Hey, I might want to be a sports journalist, but I think this is the show that made me enjoy sports journalism. I think it is for me what, what this show has been about. Um, I don't know. I, I just think this is, I still think this is some of when this show is, is long gone done. I think we're going to look back on it and say, this was, so important to American television, the way that they set up what they did. So you look at every other sports entity, sports outlet that has come along along the way, they all kind of have this similar setup. setup. You get two analysts sitting there arguing with each other. doesn't matter if it's, if it's Fox Sports, doesn't matter if it's ESPN, doesn't matter if it's BTN sometimes has stuff like that. It, it really doesn't matter. It's all been from these guys. And I, I, I think it's just important. And that was one of the reasons why I wanted to talk about it. I'm excited to watch this documentary. I'll probably tune into it, re- rewatch it tomorrow or some point. Um, but yeah, I thought that was. Uh, no, I think you're right. And I, I think it doesn't get enough credit because it, in some ways, in the public sphere, because they aren't yelling at each other, right? They're not making more noise. And I think sometimes people don't give them enough attention for what they've done. But on all the points you hit, it's going to be remembered long after everything else that's happening right now or that happened in its time frame. All right. Um, all right. So let's move on to this week's old guy, young guy. Um, this week's old guy, young guy is brought to you by you and people that attend your tailgate, apparently. And uh, you, you, you threw out today the idea of like door holding and things like that. Um, but the question of engagement rings came up. Uh, oh, I forgot about that. Okay. Um, there are two loyal listeners. One of them, at least one of them, is purchasing process of purchasing or might be in the process of purchasing an engagement ring we won't name names um they might be dragging their feet on that and uh, i don't know let's discuss your engagement ring buying process versus my engagement ring buying process and we'll just go from there go ahead well mine happened before yours so i'll go first i was working in lock haven pennsylvania Uh at like the little local paper that had a downtown storefront two-story white building and yep. there was a jewelry store in town. And that was the point where I should be buying a ring. So I went down to the jewelry store, looked at rings, figured out how much I was earning over a two-month period. Thought, my God, that's a lot of money. And put like a down payment and started throwing money at this ring that 
I mean, we had looked a little bit and knew kind of what kind of shape and stuff she wanted and things. So yeah, that was, and that was over a several month period of paying it off and then hand delivered it whatever time it was when I proposed and there you go. Um, so, okay. A couple of quick questions. Here. Number one, does she still have the ring? Yes. Okay. Number two, um, you like, you just like, we're like, this is the closest jeweler. I'm going there. Was yeah, that, there were, I mean, you didn't shop around. It was, it was a local place. Um, and it was either that or mall stores. Like, okay. and it really wasn't, it was like either K jeweler or the jeweler that had been in this town for like 10 years. I guess I could have driven to state college or Williamsport or something, but it, they all sound crazy expensive. They look kind of the same with ads you saw in the papers for ballpark numbers. And uh, yeah. So yeah. Okay. Uh, for me, like it was a whole process because I did it through an online store, but they happened to have a store in Tyson's Tyson's corner mall. Uh, so I went there. I never saw the ring until it was delivered to me. Uh, there was a, a list of, of requirements sent to me by via best friend. It, it is a process nowadays a little bit more from what I, what I've gathered talking to fellow people my age than it was for you. Like, I, I feel like a lot of men just kind of were like, yeah, that ring looks great. We'll, we'll get her that one. And, and then that was it. Um, now did, I have, a, I have a question. Did you, uh, did you have to ask her father for permission? Yeah, I think I probably had to, I don't know that I had that that was made. I think that was clear that that was going to happen. Yeah. So you did, you just didn't have to. Yeah. I don't, I think if, if I wouldn't have, it would have been okay. Eventually. Um, it just would I have think, been a little bit of a stink. Yeah. I mean, and I remember, I mean, I it was over a kitchen table at dinner with her parents. Like she was coming back from Cancun with a friend and that was, I was going to propose that weekend. It was at their house. And I said, you know, we're over dinner and I'm asking father and mother there together. And I think her, her, well, her mom chimed in first and said, well, of course, right. And her dad was very, you know, very silent, very, you know, and, I mean, I finally, I mean, so I let me sweat and, but you know, God, yes, we, we, that's okay. I mean, I don't know what I, what would he said if he just said no, but yeah, I did. Did you, did you no, not? I, I did not have to. So you didn't at all? No, no. And uh, it was, it was, it was at the request of her not to. Really? And, and I, I don't know about your, with your daughters, but there are more women these days being like, because like the whole wedding process is like kind of some parts of it are antiquated and, and, and sure. steeped in tradition that is somewhat point blank sexist. And, and so that was kind of the part of it. It was like, it's not like I'm like, like you, yeah. like it was based off the whole like property and dowry and, and, no, and, and, and all I get that it. stuff. I get it. And I, and as, as the Did, father of, of, of two strong willed smart girls and, and a strong, smart wife, I get that. But, but I think, well, both the guys did ask. I was going to say, did and, they I, and I think they were, I think we'd talk through the years about, well, if you ever get married, you know, make sure they ask. I mean, now in, in the first case, in, in Danny's now husband, he called one Friday and said, hey, can I come over to the house this afternoon? And there's no reason he's coming over, right? We're both right. working remotely. We're both home. I'm like, okay, I know what he's coming for. And he came in and he's hanging out at the house, doing whatever. We gave him leftovers from dinner the night before, take back to both of them. He's just kind of killing time. And then he's like, can we go outside for a minute? I'm like, okay. So we both go outside and he's starting to, to talk a little bit and he puts his sunglasses on. I'm like, I'm like, wait a second. Before you make some kind of serious question where I think you're going to ask a question, I said, Susan's still in the house. I said, I think we need to get Susan to be out here for this conversation or both you and I are going to be in deep shit. 
It's just fair, which is fair. And, and then she came out and then he asked, which was great. And then the second one wanted to talk to both of us, you know, six months later when he asked. So, yeah, and it wasn't, I mean, I don't, if they'd have eloped or not asked, we wouldn't have been upset or said no. But I think there's, for us, it was part of the relationship with the family too, right? Like saying, hey, like, we want you to be a part of this. And both of them without prompting said, hey, you know, you guys have been good to us since we've been dating, glad to be a part of this, want to be a part of your family, want to marry your daughter. So it was more, it was less about property or woman, more about, hey, I'm going to be in this relationship with you. Let's have this conversation about the step we're kind of going to take yeah. together, even though we're not. Good father-in-law, Steve, over here. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Good guy, sure. Steve. All right. I was just curious. Um, door opening, not for other women. Door opening does drive me insane. Uh, like, like there's nothing more that pisses me off than when you hold the door open for someone at Giant Eagle or the Wise or whatever, and they they don't say thank you. It's not hard. It's it's not hard. It really isn't. Like that is my number one pet peeve. It's just like say, say thanks, or you know what? You don't even have to say thank you. Just just acknowledge me. Give me a little head nod. Say hello. Like. <laughs> Something simple, because it's not hard. It's not hard. And I'm not asking for, for martyrdom because I held the door open for you. But just, it's, it's not hard, people. It's really not. Like, the other thing that pisses me off, too, is, is when you make eye contact with someone and you're the second person walking out and they don't, they don't even make the effort to, like, hold, like, do the, like, half push, hard push to keep it open. They just kind of, like, keep walking. I think those are both good points. I think you're right on both. All right. Uh, anything else, Steve? Uh, Steve, actually, I, I do have one more thing. Uh, for those of you that have made it this far in the podcast, I will be swinging by Steve's tailgate and this weekend. And I don't know what time, but I, I, I feel as though we owe our loyal listeners of your tailgate at least a 10-minute a, a Q and A updates, game day segment, sure. Q and A session. So if you have Q and A, I'll, I'll tweet this out. Uh, if you have Q and A's, Q's, and we'll be the A's. Uh, we can we can, we can handle that for you. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> when somebody says I'm the A, that usually isn't a good thing. Yeah. So that's good. Okay. Um. So I'll, I'll swing back. I don't know what time. Maybe. We'll be there all day. You'll be there. And Steve, what are you going to get this weekend when, when you send somebody to go to, to go to the creamery? I'm going to get jerky. I may get it ahead of time so I can avoid the line. Yeah. I may okay. go Friday. That's good. Yeah. All right. Uh, okay. There, wait, where did I go? Uh, subscribe and like to like us on the podcasting services. Rate us five stars. Email the show at stuff. Summer says podcast at gmail.com. Give us some feedback. If you are a Rob and Mary Jean and you still haven't met us yet, please come to Steve's tailgate this weekend where we, so we can ask you questions. Um, my Twitter handle is at Stuff Summer Says. Yours? At Steve Sampson. Have we missed anything? We got it all. We got it all. All right. Goodbye.